We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And we're joining you from the planet Earth. A Gene Roddenberry production. Actually, a Bob Justin production. <laughs> um, yes, we're looking at the 1974 sequel to Genesis 2 entitled Planet Earth, which is a very exciting, a very exciting title. In the 22nd century, Dylan Hunt, the man frozen in suspended animation from the 20th century, has now joined PAX, that marvelous city-state that did not fall after the world destroyed itself. Now, PAX and Dylan try to help rebuild the world, which has fragmented into many different civilizations, many living in barbarism. The knowledge of the old world washed away like the remnants of, of the old world. On a trip to the inland sea of California, the leader and founder of Pax is shot by the Klingons, uh, the, the Greek, uh, lumpy-headed mutants who only know machinery and warfare. In a desperate mission to find a missing surgeon that might be able to save the wounded leader, Dylan takes his team to a part of the world where women's lib has gone mad, a confederacy where women own and sell men like cattle. In the Confederacy, Dylan and the male members of the team are taken as slaves and breeding stock and drugged into being fearful and submissive. Comedy shenanigans ensue until Dylan stages a seduction and an escape just in time for the Klingon, uh, the, the Krieg, to arrive and fight them down. The women folk realize that, that they need men to fight their battles and to give them the babies they so desperately crave. And so they slowly begin to change their ways as the PAX team ride the subway off into the sunset, ready for the next of thousands of adventures waiting for them, if only they get picked up as a regular series. <clears throat> so, um... Planet Earth. Slight retooling of the premise of Genesis 2 with a couple of minor mm -hmm. little things. A uh, new lead actor in John the form Saxon. of John Saxon instead of Pornstash himself, Alex Cord. Um, they've replaced um, uh, Harper Smythe with a more feminine looking actress. Um, I think everyone else is new except for Ted Cassidy, of course. Well, you have Majel Barrett, but her part is like she's got like two lines. That's true. She's in it, which For proves it's a Roddenberry production. Seconds, but but yeah, she's not really uh, a major part. Um, <clears throat> a couple. Of, I'm going to just bring in a couple things to point out. In this version, Pax is a city, not an underground cave, and it didn't fall, which I think was definitely not the case in Genesis two. That they is correct. They were still rebuilding yeah. and coming up with a new world and and trying mm -hmm. to trying to save all this stuff. But here, the city state hasn't fallen. So, slightly different premise, um, slightly less believable, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, they've got espers now. Yes, first time we hear about that. And um, let's see, that's pretty much. Oh, they've got new uniforms. Yeah, designed by William Wertheis. 
Imagine that. Imagine that. And they're just like sort of the wrong color next generation uniforms. A little bit. Complete with, instead of a com badge, a little pocket right in the chest where you put your communicator. Hmm. Huh. Sometimes they, um, they really like their ideas. Oh, yeah. They don't want to redo. And, of course, the Kriegs, who <clears throat> are not downright Klingon, but they certainly, you can see the lineage there uh, along the bone ridge of their, of their heads. Um, it's like, you know, we should use this on the Klingons. It works so well on the Krieg when we mm. come back. <clears throat> Story by Gene Roddenberry. Screenplay by Gene Roddenberry and Juanita Bartlett. Um, Juanita Bartlett's a name you may have seen. Rockford Files, Greatest American Hero, stuff like that. She uh, She's a longstanding writer in Hollywood. I don't know that it helped here. Um, <clears throat> oh, sorry. I, I, I'm presupposing. What do you think of um, Planet Earth? Well, um, this was not a bad Star Trek Phase 2 episode. Well, you but not a great one. Not you, a great one. But just not a bad one. Oh, I'm sorry. This wasn't Star Trek, was it? No, no. Oh, no, shucky darns. It does feel a lot like it, though, <clears throat> doesn't it? Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, it this reeks. Is, this is definitely what I remember. And we were talking in Genesis 2 that I was like, all the things that I remember that was like, wait, this is proto-Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, this is proto-Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, this is, big This time. is what I remember. Um, you know, from the Kriegs having, I thought Ted Cassidy had the lumpy heads, but no, it was the Kriegs had the lumpy heads. And the, I remember the uniforms and the, you know, the team and like the, it wasn't an psychic, it was an Esper. And, but, you know, it was, it was that. And the warrior, which was Ted Cassidy, who's renounced the ways of war and, and gone on. Yeah, it was, it was very much, very much, uh, either. A retooling of Star Trek. I think that's more correct. I think it's a retooling of Star Trek. Uh, it actually, it was. It of, was an episode that was meant to be in Star Trek, but it obviously the series at the time didn't pick up. Or at least that's something that I read. Mm, so for but, original Trek, uh, possibly. Oh, possibly you know something. For original Trek didn't. Well, but didn't Roddenberry have an obsession with things like we go to the planet where. The, the people of African descent are the slave masters and the people of white are the, are the slaves. And, and he also wanted to do one with the women doing the same thing. Right. Um, so that does kind of fall into his, it's a bit of Omega glory style. Right. Star Trek episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I could see this, whether it it was or not, I, I didn't see anything to that effect, but I could totally see that as, we beam down to the planet of women in charge, and Captain Kirk has to uh, <clears throat> seduce his way out of it. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can totally see that. <clears throat> um, I still, I personally still found it pretty hard to take. I didn't say it was a great movie. I mean, actually, as, as a movie goes, it, it's pretty terrible. In fact, I would prefer Genesis to. Um, this one was just filled with. Uh, what what wasn't cliches, uh, uh, on the other hand, would have been just um, very – at, at times it became very anti-man. I mean, <clears throat> we, we've heard 
you know, we, we've we've talked about shows that could be, you know, rather misogynistic. Well, this one really turned it on its ear. I mean, Dylan, you know, John Saxon, does have that one line where he calls it, you know, women's lib gone mad. But that that's the only justification, if there's going to be any, to the fact that this this in this movie, it almost feels like it was written by a feminist. Wow. I, I would not have I would not have got that. I I, I really felt this was pretty darn misogynistic. I, I mean I the whole well, time I feel like the, the whole well, thing is dripping with look at the ridiculous idea of women being in charge of men. I, that's how I when I watch this, that's how I Well get it. And maybe today, but back then because you gotta remember when this thing came out uh, women's lib was really beginning to catch fire, and they were they would have latched onto this like nobody's business. Yeah, I it's it's really hard to tell, but I, I, you know there are things in it that that disturb me at significant level. And, well, and you, you mentioned that, that. you mentioned that line where he he says women's lib gone mad, but that's not the full line. The full no, line is women's lib, women's lib, and he makes an actual sneer sound and then goes on or women's lip gone mad i'm like wow okay he just he totally sounded like he was just dissing the whole concept at that moment and you know later on he talks about how you know he's a 20th century male chauvinist which i couldn't tell what he was getting at because he was drunk so i i yeah Um, but I'm sure we'll... I didn't say it was good. No, I mean, no, no, it isn't. No, I'm just, no, 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 no. But it, it's just, I, all right. Well, there's a couple places we'll come across that again, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to hit a couple of the, the, the ideas here. I, I do have a couple things, though, that I want to point out. One, Pax, right? It's supposed to be, you recall from Genesis 2, we can't kill. Right, the city right. of peace. The city of peace is the city of peace, the city of enlightenment, the city of people right. going out and helping people. You know, right? They're supposed to be enlightened. They're supposed to be intolerant. Or they're supposed to be tolerant. I, I love the phrase, oh, let the savage pray. That bothered me. I, In fact, I'm glad you brought that up. I, that, I, I, I even wrote a note on that. I mean, for a civilization like Pax, t- for me to hear something like that, I found to be – Highly disturbing. I mean, there's nothing civilized about that line. No, no, that's that's pure condescension. It is. It. it I mean, I mean, you can feel that way about it, but you're not supposed to say it right in front of the guy. I mean, come well, on. Well, I would, I would like to think that maybe they had kind of advanced to the point where they wouldn't think it in quite such a harsh term. I mean, even if it was just to themselves. I mean, I found it to be a highly disrespectful uh, thing for uh, who? Who was it? That was Balak, wasn't it? I, I don't know what his name was. He was well, the Balak was the Esper. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Balak. Okay. I found it very disrespectful for him to say that, and it, yeah, it just it bugged me enormously. Which part bothered you about it? Referring to him as a savage. Referring to him as a savage. Okay. All yeah. right. I, you know, it's it. It was the yeah, yeah. That was. There's an implied. He's beneath me. There's that. You could just take it as Isaiah is beneath me, or you could take it as 
Isaiah is a savage because he prays. I didn't get it on I, to that me, the, level. The, the former is worse, <laughs> and and I and I took it that way instantly. I said, "Well, you that's know, he's, I, yeah, he's a savage. He does that savage stuff. Let him do right. it." That's that's exactly how I took it. But the fact and that he I thinks of offensive. his own team member <laughs> and uh-huh. friend as a savage is. Well, I mean, wow, there's nothing civilized hey, about that. So, you know, some of my best friends are savage, so don't talk to me about being uh, elitist. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right? I I thought that was just really inappropriate. I mean, it bothered me enormously when I saw that last night. Um although I will admit I will admit that I took it strangely personally, but not because of my American Indian heritage, but because I happen to dig Ted Cassidy that much. And he didn't react. No, he didn't. He just kept right on praying. Just kept on caterwauling. Hey, he was caterwauling. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, yeah, that was... But it was a bad line. And and it's lines like that uh-huh. in this story that I think gave me pause that you could not... You could not try to take these things as... You can't take them for face value. Good. No. You know, you're not getting a women's lib message here. You're definitely getting an anti-women's lib message mm-hmm. here, just like you're getting an anti-savage message, and you're getting, you know, the people in packs. And and we might as well, I'm just going to jump straight to the end, because how the heck annoying is this? How did the people of Pax have to solve this problem? Through violence and fighting. Yeah, yeah. But so then that's how they've always the battled off. of your ideals. Well, that's how they've always battled off the Klingons. But see, but yeah, it's a ridiculous fine line. Violence and fighting is okay so long as you don't take a life. Yeah. I mean, yes, it was in defense. <laughs> I suppose you could make that argument. And that is, you know, a longstanding argument is fighting in defense, a defensible position. But then wouldn't killing in defense be a defensible position? You know, where where does, where's the arbitrary line get drawn? And that's sort of there. what Dylan did towards the end of Genesis 2. I mean, he, they made, when he set off that, you know, the explosion, when he, when he blew up the, the bomb, yeah, there were people who were there, but the argument could be made that that was done in the defense of PAX. <clears throat> also, yet, he, th- I mean, that, that absolute line that, that, uh, that the governing body of PAX, I mean, it, it goes to show it's just another form of extremism that they're rebelling against. I mean, they're, they're almost going to become the, the thing that they hate most if they keep down that line of reasoning. Yeah, and I think in the first one they were a little bit more um, – I'm not sure what the word is here, but his solution was less violent. I mean, yeah, he set off a nuke, but he didn't. Right, he rigged the nuclear weapons to go off if somebody played with them, and then told them not to play with them, and then left. Right. And had they not attempted aggression, which is presumably what they were attempting to do with the atomic weapons, then they wouldn't have had, they wouldn't have killed themselves. It's not hmm. quite the same as no, we no, get down isn't. to the point where you just have to duke it out for supremacy, and. Mm-hmm. Not only is that not Pax-like, but then there is this sort of message that says, hey, the women folk can't do it. They needed their men to go in and do the fighting. So women aren't up to it. So you've got that. You know, Diana Maldara's character is 
is basically beaten and, um, you know, she is reduced to helpless heroin by the end of this episode, as is Harper, for that matter. She's knocked unconscious. Right. Diana Mulder is just over all distraught looking. Uh, and the men folk are the ones that come in and do the fighting, showing how absurd this society in the Confederacy is to, to try. And yes, Dylan Hunt does have the message later on where he says, you know, how about people's lip? And, but I think if, if we're going to try to take a nice message out of it, the best we can is that he's trying to say that neither male supremacy nor female supremacy is the correct answer. That he is trying to make that point, but it's really um, heavily diluted. You know, equality, some, not. <clears throat> yeah. <sighs> yeah. There, there's a lot. The message is terribly diluted with a lot of um, other confusing messages on top of it. What, what wouldn't it wouldn't be it wouldn't be nearly so diluted if he didn't deliver that message during what is effectively a rape scene. Mm where he is getting a woman drunk so that he can yeah, buy. Yeah, that's that's you know I hate I mean, to say it, but that that that's a form of daydream. That's rape. a bill that's a that's a bill Crosby right there. Yeah. You know. Uh so <laughs> it's like it, it, my my that scene that's that particular sequence where he he um is still pretending to be under the fear drug, but at the same time, he's trying to convince Diana Mulder. Which, by the way, since they're giving all these men the fear drug, suddenly they don't have any babies, and they really want babies. So, you know, they're trying to figure out how to get more babies. Um, and so Dylan is giving her this cock and bull story about how back in his civilization, he's got 14 wives and fathered 41, 51 kids, or 41 kids in, in the last five years. And... You know, has been men in my society are trained in special techniques from the Ugh. time we're young. It's like, wow, Roddenberry, really? Your androids, your misogynistic men, uh, you've all been trained in the good sex. And he's, you know, just, he's got his teeth in that idea and he just isn't going to let go of that line until someone appreciates it. Uh -huh. <laughs> And so she's like getting kind of, yeah, all right. And, and then he's, you know, but first I'm going to need my strength. So I'd really like some of that meat to eat. And then he eats the meat and uh, you know, some wine. Well, and, you know, <coughs> the other problem with that is um, they're insinuating that Marge or Marg is an idiot. But they're telling us that she's an idiot by him dumping that ridiculous line on her simply so that he can eat some untainted food, shall we say, that doesn't have that extract that, may, that you know, that, that'll make him afraid. Uh, I mean, granted, he has been starving himself. Do, do you think that she's an idiot in that, or do you think that she's just really gagging for it? I think it's a bit I of think both. it's the latter. I think, I think it's a bit of both, actually. She's thinking with her genitalia at that point, or at least that's the idea we're supposed to get here. I, I think it's a mix. I really do. I think, I think there's some... Uh, hubris on on her part especially when you have the the, the one other other woman that. and when she's trying to convince you know convince mark that you know part of your problem is this extract and she's oh do we have to hear this again i mean she takes such enormous pride in that extract and what it does that she feels it makes her invincible in some way that's and true and i like leader of the pack and i'm reasonably sure 
that they're supposed to believe that they're superior as well. This is not just, see, there's a little bit, there's this little bit of, you know, if you had, if you went into a society uh, where it was female dominated, which is different from matriarchal, right? You could, you can have civilizations that are matriarchal that are not basically master and slave owner societies. So this is, this is way beyond, this is way beyond matriarchy. This is, this is a female slave master uh, mm-hmm. civilization. And presumably before they had the drug, they somehow had cowed all the men into agreeing to this configuration or some variation of this configuration. And so I think it's reasonable to assume that every woman in that society does, in fact, have an innate sense of superiority to men. Yeah. Ergo, hubris. Yeah. When it comes to, well, you know, <clears throat> yeah, give him some meat and get him. Get him on well, the, the well, bed especially, drain well, especially when Dylan is trying to warn them about the creek, and it's like, oh, please, we can take care of ourselves, you know. And Mark should understand that because clearly she's been having dealings with them. Yes. Well, see, she's she's learned to take care of their dealings. Right? We don't have to worry about the creek. I have negotiated deals with them, and the problem is solved. So there is, you know, there's that. She doesn't realize that they're just going to come take what they want when they figure it out. So. Is that um, we have the whole thing where he gets her drunk mm-hmm. in this sequence, and all that? Well, you know, have to join in chemical conditioning and bring our systems into balance. And and I've been trained to be excited by wine and your chemical structure and and our our chemical configurations much balance. And and I mean, so my. My son is in seventh grade, and uh, and he didn't watch this, but but my son is in seventh grade, and he's at that age where whenever he sees two characters on TV kissing, he covers his eyes and kind of starts to curl up in a fetal position. <laughs> I was doing that during this scene. It was so <laughs> cringeworthy. It was so... It's badly fundamentally <laughs> wrong. Just watching this going, I I'm supposed to be rooting for Dylan, but he is behaving in such a fashion. I can't this. Oh, oh, I can't believe you said that. Oh, no, 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 please. No, I was I was in a fetal position in the Barco lounger and and kind of trying not to trying to watch. But at the same time, just like, oh, I can't take this. I Please be over. And. When he gets to the the bit where he finally goes over there and he says, well, I think we're good. I think we're now time for some good old nonverbal mutual respect, which I guess is his term for sex. And I'm like, oh, no. And she's passed out, which I should have realized is the ultimate cliche there. But in that situation, but I mean, it's just the the whole thing was like, Wow, you've got her so drunk that you can now. Yeah, no, that's a crime. That's a crime in all European countries. True. I'm not a hundred percent sure it's a crime in all fifty U.S. states, but but it's definitely a crime in Europe. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, should be 
Should be crime. But the question becomes, did he actually have his way with her? He did not. No, he didn't. I I don't don't think think he he did. did. No, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. She passed out, and that was the end of it. And they just slept. It literally slept. They cuddled. Together. Um, But uh, he did bother to take his shirt off so he could be up in the morning. But, yeah. But, you know, that does not excuse the fact that that's what he was doing. And he appeared to be 100% going to carry through with it. I think. I don't think that's what his goal was. I I mean, mean, he was trying to delay, but I think he was willing to delay. I think, I mean, if if it came to that, but I don't think that was his ultimate, I don't don't think that was his initial goal. I think think what he desired is to knock her out by getting her completely drunk, and he succeeded. Oh, he seemed disappointed when she was unconscious. Yeah, but he was drunk, too. Mm, yeah, well, so maybe the sure. argument could be the argument could be that on the surface, his initial goal was to simply make her pass out from being totally blottoed. But as I think any medical expert can tell you that when a person gets completely drunk, that it acts as you know it 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 likes like a truth serum. The filter comes down, and the real person comes out. And perhaps maybe we were seeing Dylan's more animalistic side at that point. I think, yeah, I think we're supposed to still believe that Dylan is a bit of an animal. I kind of, I, I kind of well, get that. he does come from the late 20th century. Right. And he admits it. Yeah, and we know all the, the stuff he had in, in Genesis 2. And, heck, why not? Let's just go straight there. The scene where Harper is trying to get him out of his drug-induced state, and oh. she's decided that, what he needs is to feel like he's pleasing her, and to do that, she's going to um, seduce isn't quite the right word, but uh, induce him to please her. Yes. And um, you heard his line, right? Mm-hmm. Help me, help me. What a lovely euphemism. Help, you know, as like, yeah, oh, exactly like in the first film. More. Help me want to survive. Remember that from the first yes. film? It's the same, same thing. thing. Dylan needs, Dylan needs the, uh, yeah, the old love machine going there. Yeah, That's, Dylan needs help, but not that kind of help. Do you? What do you think of the casting of the new Harper Smythe? Um. I I didn't I didn't like the first one and this one just seems a little whiny to me. I well as we discussed, you know, they were they were supposed to be the first one was supposed to be some sort of androgynous thing that just didn't that just didn't come across in anything but dialogue. In this case, I, I don't know how old this woman is supposed to be, but 15 or 16 comes to mind. Hard to say. I I really have no idea. She she just seemed like a girl. Yeah. You know, in, in her behavior, in her, her, her handling herself, she did not come across as a competent member of the PAX team. Um so I ugh, but but clearly the the situation is established that she's got a thing for Dylan and it's unrequited. 
It certainly seems that way. Yeah, I think that's... Especially at the you know, one of the very, very last scenes with the women of Ruth, That's you know, or the Confederacy. Uh, the, there you've got Dylan and Mar going at it, and then you had the, that one other woman that um, um, HS had befriended, and they're both going like, men, or at least Harper was. You know, and you kind of got a sense of like, really, her, why not me? Well, the, yes, there was that. There was also at the at even past that point when they were talking about what Dylan remembered and what Dylan didn't remember. He was teasing her. He was he was basically you know trying to make her paranoid that he remembered that they were going to do that, and then and then he turned around and said, "Well, but I don't remember any of this stuff that happened with you," mm. and. That's that's classic, you know, television speak for they have never done this. They want to do this, but they're just not going to it's it's going to be unrequited as a plot complication throughout the series, which is not the way we ended Genesis 2. No, we ended Genesis 2 with them heading back to make the two backed beast, uh, as far as I could tell. But um you know, Dylan gets the girl, and he's going to teach her how to be a girl, and <clears throat> off they go. But here it it, and maybe that's why they got a different actress so that they could kind of reset the game. Um, but then why didn't they just rename her? What was so amazing about the name Harper Smythe that they felt they had to keep it, and and you know not just hire a different actress and give it a different I name? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, yeah, because Harper was such a – I mean, I don't want to say necessarily a secondary character in Genesis oh, yeah. 2. I mean, it's not like with Dylan. Yeah, I mean, the whole plot idea <clears throat> revolves around this man from the 20th century who's now in the 22nd. So I get that. I understand why you want to keep Dylan even though you've recast the part. But for Harper – you know, and I don't think, I don't think anybody's going to even remember no. her. Different actress, different character, different Yeah, just get, get, give her a different name. I mean, we're being introduced to Baylock for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, they could have just... This is, you know, Jenny Jones. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Anybody, it just wouldn't have... There didn't need to be anything there. Uh, and we weren't we weren't reminded of anything from the pilot, really. I mean, just... Not I was, much. I was revived, and, and we've got this underground subway. So let's go. Yeah, um, you know, I think you were supposed to just basically forget the first one and go with the second one. I think that was Gene gets two pilots again. Yeah, kind of thing. Um, Although this did not feel like a pilot, it really felt like an episode and a terribly long one. I, I don't know the the phrase at the end there. This was just one of a thousand new adventures. Well, I think that was Gene's attempt at trying to. That's like. Pick us up, pick us up. Yeah. Although, did you hear the reason why it didn't get picked up? No. Because the network, the network simply said, we are already paying for a big budget science fiction series. Do you know what that series was? Hold on. 74 ABC. Was that, was this ABC? I don't know what network. No, it wasn't. So this must be Man from Atlantis. No, no. It's Planet of the Apes. It was CBS. Planet of the Apes was seventy four. I guess it could have been. Yeah, because I yeah, or le- well, it might have been in development at that time, or in production at least. 
the the DVDs are out of my reach right at the moment, or I could take a quick yeah, look. Yeah, because Planet of the Apes actually came out. Let me see. Um, yeah, seventy four. Because I started seventh grade hmm. when Planet of the Apes came out, hmm. and and I began. I yeah, I started uh, my seventh grade year in nineteen seventy four, and it only and and it it only made it half season. Yeah, no, I I, I have so, the disc here, just waiting for us to get around to it someday. <laughs> oh. God, I can't wait. And I say that with pure sarcasm. <laughs> I haven't watched that for forever. I got the discs, I watched them, and, and whenever they came out on discs for the first time, it's been that long since I watched them. So it's it's at least 10, Ugh. 10 or more I years. I haven't seen them in even longer. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. But well, yeah, that's, that was, that, that's what happened. Um, the the network passed on it because of Planet of the Apes. I can I can think of some other reasons. Planet of the Apes is better than this. Oh, Not it much is better. But even though even though it didn't last, it is better. Well, I think it, they that. would have. They, both of both of them suffered from exactly the same thing. We got a group of people traveling around from place to place, encountering new new survivor civilizations from the long dead planet Earth. I mean, for crying out loud, it's the same show, just with yeah. apes. Yeah. With more expensive costume budget. True. So, uh, yeah, actually, it's it's not just that we already have one in production. We already have the same show in production, in a way. Mm-hmm. Two astronauts from the past. Wow. Come to think of it, 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 it is. <laughs> yeah, it in is. a way. Bringing their yeah. knowledge back to the world and trying to make it a better place. With- yeah, all you got to do is just uh, replace the creek with, um, with apes. Urko. Yeah. Was it Aldo? No, it was Ergo. It was Urko. It was Urko. Urko. It, yeah. Urko in the, in the series. Claude Akins. Um, no. Yeah, it's Claude. Oh, no, no, you're right. You're right. Urko it was, was Mark uh, Leonard. It was Gregory. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. Gosh, I've forgotten all my gorillas now. So you had James Gregory. I am Gregory. shocked. <laughs> we had James Gregory was one. You had Claude Akins is, was one. And, yep, you had Mark Leonard. Claude Akins, I believe, was Aldo in Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Could be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we go on this really fun diversion, since yeah. Planet Earth is such a terrible thing to talk about. That's all right, but it gives people something to look forward to. <laughs> so, um, how about that horse fight uh, between Amarg and, uh, and Harper? Do you oh, take a challenge? Me. Slap. Okay. Spare me. Oh, it was it was just the fighting, the stunt fighting was just pathetic. I it it was that was agonizing to watch. Even with John Saxon, expert fighter. Yeah, I mean the guy really is a martial arts expert or maybe he became one later, but I do know he studied under Bruce Lee at one point, but Well, Bruce Lee was would, dead by then, so Uh yeah, that's true. That's true. He was dead by then. Um so you would have expected better fighting from him. Uh, why we got that, I who, who knows. Bad editorial decision. Yeah. Well, you know, whoever your stunt coordinator is. Yeah. Um, so, Dinks. <coughs> yeah. Modern listeners may have referred to that term as Dinks, dual income, no kids, 1980s term that came about there during yuppie culture but in fact going back to the 1880s i think we find the actual genesis of 
the use of the term dinks. It did was you just a, say Genesis? I did. But I'm bum. Da dum da dum. Dink in 1880s English meant penis. Okay then. Mm hmm. The dinks. Yep. Yep. Nothing subtle there. No. <laughs> Nothing subtle. Nothing, nothing subtle there. We have some great lines from that, too. Uh, we don't geld our men, if that's uh, what you're worried about. Yeah. We've relieved you of all the responsibilities that your sex finds so difficult. That, just, you know, that just line really that kind of... With, just don't worry your pretty little head. I, I'm going to admit, that line actually kind of bugged me a lot. Well, that's uh, that's fundamental devaluation of someone based on their gender. And it's something that... You know, you wouldn't. Well, <laughs> you and I, as 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 men, uh, probably see less often than women do. Perhaps more so than others. But uh, yeah, I, I think they were trying to make the point there because that's that line is right out of you know, get back in the kitchen and yeah, exactly kind of thing. So I mean, it, it draws this point, and uh, and of course the line in nature, the female is always dominant. Ugh. I don't. Believe that's a true statement. Not, not a true statement. I mean, the only it's time where you actually false. I mean, no, I mean it happens, but not. It's not a universal uh, statement. Uh, the only, in fact, the only time I can actually imagine where that's really the case is with uh, a pride of lions. Uh, are they? Are the females the dominant ones? Are the their primary hunters? They're the primary hunters. They're the one that take care of the pride. Um, the 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 male just comes along his, and he he you know obviously has his way, but it's his job to also protect the pride from bonobos. Um, I think are are uh, female dominant, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure about chimpanzees, but but bonobos are. I don't think chimpanzees are female dominant. So, um, and, and bonobos, the females use sex to control, uh, control things. So, wow. Bonobos are interesting animals. Um, I don't want to watch a documentary on them, but, but they're interesting. They're interesting animals. Um, there's also, oh, oh, speaking of terrible, terrible lines in our society, we don't allow men to dominate us to which is followed up with maybe, that's what you'd like secretly. Uh, Caught that one? Wow. See, there is the there is that whole there there is that male chauvinistic bias in that writing to me coming across. That's that's like saying, Well, we've got this society, but really what she wants is a good man to come in and put her in her place. And give her some babies. And, I mean, they are going on about the babies all the time. I mean, it, it's terrible. Uh-huh. It's like, I don't think this is a show that they're going to pick up and start making as a series. Um, no, no, absolutely not. Any Anytime soon. Um, I think Quester's got a much better shot. Oh, Quester being... has a much better shot of that. Even Spectre does. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's see. What else have we got here on my list of terrible things? Uh, I, I I got I got um, great delight out of um, Vilar. Oh look, it's Princess Leia. Oh, you saw the guy with the hair? Was that yeah. his name? <laughs> the yes, guy. There was... The yeah. guy with the hair. 
there was a guy wearing Princess Leia hair in this. That's I a didn't... woman. Oh, you're talking about the like the slave mistress. Yes. No, no. There was a male character who had Leia buns. I didn't see we him. Only, he only had like it was one of those scenes where Dylan's trying to talk to people and they're cowering and he spins off to his side and he had like headphones, his hair on the side of his head and I immediately thought, wow, Princess Leia. Um, yeah. didn't, I didn't catch that. <laughs> but I see what you mean now. See, but but the slave mistress was wearing more like Empire Strikes Back Leia hair. Uh, more no. of the Brady stuff. Yeah, she had some Brady stuff going on there. She had Brady stuff, yeah, but um, that's not the way Leia wore an Empire. No, 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 it wasn't exact. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, yeah. But it wasn't. It wasn't her her cinnamon bun head either. Exactly. It was closer to New Hope than it was Empire. But be that as it may, I, I still thought, oh, look, it's Leia on steroids. Well, seventy four. Hollywood hairstyle. It's probably the same person. Could have been, or somebody who was doing the makeup for um, yeah, for for a uh, George Lucas said, you know, I saw this awesome hair design in this piece of crap movie. We got to use it because no one will ever recognize it. No one will ever see that movie. So yeah, we're good on we're good on that one. And I was going to make a honestly uh, a cheap a cheap joke at the expense. Of the composer, because I felt that the music in this sucked. It was kind of like trite and just ridiculous. It was, and so when the when the composer's name Harry Suckman <laughs> came up on the screen, I thought, "Well, wow, okay, maybe maybe that's his cord Werner bird." <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, it like, was a pretty ridiculous pretty name. Bad. So Harry, Harry Suckman, uh, and then I looked him up on Wikipedia. The uh, Academy Award-winning composer Harry Suckman, uh, <laughs> um, and and many shows you would recognize: Virginian High Chaparral, Bonanza, hmm. uh, few movies. Uh, I forget which one he actually. I don't recognized the one he won an Academy Award for, but he won Emmys. And <laughs> it's like, well, but it's not in evidence here. And I feel like I can't make a joke at his name's expense now. Indeed. It's, it's clearly a real name. So um, what else have we got? Not a whole heck of a lot. Not, not that I really, I mean, n nothing of any really great significance. I mean, nothing that we haven't already covered. Yeah. I mean, except that I, I just kept seeing lots of Star Trek parallels in here. I mean, obviously, uh, had this story been fleshed out for Trek like Rotten, like Gene wanted it, clearly Dylan would have been the Kirk role because then he could have had his way with Diana Muldar again. He didn't uh, He didn't get it in uh, – um, uh, what is it? Not in Return to Tomorrow, but he did a little bit in um, uh, Is There in Truth No Beauty. Mm. He got a little bit on her. Eh, maybe, yeah, but yeah. And then Baylock would have been some kind of a Spock-like role, although to make him timid would have been a f well, actually not Spock, but Zahn. Yeah, because because I think this was being designed for for Phase Two initially, but I don't know. It, it's hard to tell. I mean, with the the the, the chrono chronology is just all messed up. Maybe it really was meant for just the original series, in which case this would have been for Spock. <clears throat> or I, I, you know, could have been one of the different characters too who knows who knows but at, nonetheless it really 
uh, screams of the whole Star Trek mentality. I mean, instead of going to another planet, I mean, you've got Dylan and crew going just to some other community, you know, where you have your culturally advanced society striving for a utopian lifestyle, encountering a civilization or a culture that is that is less than that or, you know, possibly oppresses others. Presents I mean, us with a parable of events happening in our time. Yeah, a morality This is what play. happens if women's, women's lib keeps going the way it's going. It's terrible. They're going to crush men and turn them into slaves. Maybe that's why Majel only had like three lines in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure I get the... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I get the message in this one, but... Um, uh, it's it's a, it's a it's mixed. I mean, for me, I found it a little bit mixed at times. I mean, obviously, the very the end message is, <clears throat> excuse me, that equality is the best thing. That's but right. With equality, you, we can have sex. Yeah, we can have sex, and we can and we and we can do it, you know, without without being drugged. But when with, but throughout all of that, I mean, on one side, you've got about how you know how terrible men are how terrible men make things if they're allowed to run the world and then on the other hand you've got women just i mean smacking their men out you know with with whatever with whips implement with whips and other other you know tools or or weapons that they have at their disposal i mean it's just it's just bad messages all over the place Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm and of course, we're you know we're supposed to see is it bad, but at the same time, they're they're not presenting the other side of the coin. Not not presenting it well. Not presenting it well. No. Um, it would have been much better if they had. I, I don't know if the team up at the end had been an actual team up instead of the men just fought the men just the battle fighting for off them. the women. Yeah, I mean, if the women could have actually done something, then it would have made the message better. They could have had. They could have done something as a team, right? And then there, and then you have the opportunity for mutual respect and appreciation to start. Not to what we right. got. Not what we got in this. Yeah, dumb. Planet Earth. Um, I will say one last thing that I loved, and that's when um, during the big fight at the end, when Isaiah actually managed to grab two. Kriegs and smack their heads together, and we got a oh, gong. We got a gong. I know that was that was fantastic. I loved it. I had to play it back three times because I just couldn't believe my ears. I I did hear that, and I I tried to put it out of my mind. Oh no, it's it's there. Oh, it's there. It's there. I just thought, really, you had to go for the comedy gong. Because yeah. you know they had to add that in. That's well, foley. At, it has to be. At the rate that this thing was going, you know, it's you can't get much worse. <laughs> I, I also I have this question. Um, did you notice what Isaiah was doing in the background um, when um, Dylan was having his little final conversation with Marge? Oh, yeah. He was getting some nookie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what we were supposed to take from that. Was that the woman who had bought him? I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, was that sure. just some stray woman? He decided that, uh, let me show you what a Cree war, what is, what is he, a Chippendale? I don't know what, or no, you, 
a Chippewa or a something. I, I don't recall what tribe he's supposed to be. You recall? But, uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, – I, yeah, I did a double take on that one too. But I, I couldn't make out exactly who he was making out with. Because, yeah, it, it, I mean he just goes like straight for her. Mm-hmm. He just bounds across the room. It's like – And like – well, Do he is a savage. <laughs> Touche. Mm-hmm. Let the savage lay. Let <laughs> That's about right. Okay. <laughs> In that case, mm-hmm. on that note, um, I, I don't know what we're looking at next but of course we're still doing space 1999 and uh and simon and i are working on cold jack the night stalker and uh we will come up with something else to keep you all entertained (laughs) um and ben thank you oh a joy as always listeners i hope you'll join us all again next time even though we don't know what it is on Fusion Patrol. Dink! Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf.